Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. The world in which we live these days is lived at warp speed. Everything has to be in the moment, less than a moment, done yesterday, done last week. And what happens is mistakes get made that can prove costly as well as blow up a project schedule. Today, I want to talk about the three common mistakes I have been seeing lately and how to avoid them. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. First, I want to remind designers listening that my signature course, Renovation Management for Interior Designers, is now live. I couldn't be more thrilled with the revamped course, the new name, and everything in it, as well as the new members digging into the material. The community forum that is included in this course is already buzzing with designers introducing themselves, checking out who else is in the group, asking questions, looking for resources. It's a really exciting time, and I can't wait for more of you to come join this group. But today, I want to talk about common mistakes I am seeing on projects, whether that's a homeowner running it or a designer running it. And my best guess is that we are all in a rush. We're in a rush to secure the contractors. We're in a rush to secure the trades. We're in a rush to get projects started. We're in a rush to keep projects going. And the problem with that is rushing on a construction project more often than not causes issues. It's really that simple. So by issues, what does that really mean? Well, some issues can be a delay in the work because you've made a mistake because you rushed through something and then all of a sudden you've lost a couple of weeks of time because you're now having to go back and either redesign something or re-specify something or swap something out because you got the wrong fixture. It seems to be running the gamut these days. But really, I am seeing three big areas that I want people to slow down and take their time on in order to avoid having problems along the way. The first is contract review. I am seeing people sign off on contracts, barely having read it, and certainly not digesting what it is that they're signing off on. For instance, I was CC'd on an email between a contracting company and my client on some cabinetry, and there were holes in all of it. I mean, there were seven or eight line items, and I think my return email had about six points needing more clarification. Now, the client didn't see any of that, but then responded to me and said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you read that. I didn't pick up on any of that. So if I hadn't been on that one email exchange, all of that would have gone missing. Now, fast forward, would things have gone wrong? Possibly, 
Possibly not. But some of them were details about the overall cost, what was included, what wasn't included. And another point was about the timing. Well, I can't think of two more important things, cost and timing on a renovation project. Now, the contractor, she reached out to me and said, I'm so glad you caught those things. I probably should have caught them first. And I said to myself, yeah, you should have caught those first. But everybody's in a rush. The client was looking for the information. The woman got it back from the cabinet maker. Her first instinct was, yay, I have it back. Check the box, forward it to the client. But that is not the right answer. So you must take a moment. You must read and then reread. And hell, if you need to read it a third time to fully understand what is being estimated and most importantly, what isn't being estimated. Now, sure, someone's going to be listening to this saying, well, gee, Renee, you've got 29 years of experience. Of course, you pick up on these things faster. Yes, 100% true. And why my clients rely on me to do that exact thing on their behalf. But I was still picking up on issues and concerns and things that were left out years and years ago as well. Maybe I didn't pick up on them as quickly as I did in this situation, but I still caught them because when you read something, you need to ask yourself, is this everything? So for instance, they mentioned hardware. Well, he had given us two catalogs to choose from and it said hardware not included. Okay. So I asked back, I said, well, does that mean that the two catalogs he sent, we have to pay for that in addition? Oh, actually, as it turned out, no. If we picked something outside of those two catalogs, can you see the difference? Now, is that going to be an enormous expense? No, but not only would it be an expense, it would have been an additional thing that we would have had to select. So it's just the clarification. And yes, God is in the details, in particular on contracts. The other issue I'm seeing with contracts are people are so quick to sign off on them because they don't want to lose their spot in line. Now, listen, I am in the trenches all day, every day on renovation projects, and I get that. Uh, The trenches are hell, and and the lead times from furniture to fixtures to labor is more than hell. So I get that. You want to secure your spot. Be careful that by taking your spot in the line, you're not missing some details that will cause you headache or future expenses when your turn finally comes up. So again, take the extra moment. Have someone else read it if you aren't understanding everything. Or more importantly, shoot an email back and say, I'm not understanding all of this. Please explain further. That is reasonable. That is expected. And quite frankly, if a tradesperson pushes back on that, he's not your guy. You want someone that's transparent. You want someone who's going to be above board, explaining and wanting you to be just as committed to this project as they are to you. So that goes for designers and homeowners, and more so for homeowners who may never have done a project before. So some of the verbiage and the jargon inside these contracts may be new, or you think you understand what it means, but actually it points in a different direction. Make sure you hammer out those details. You will regret breezing through something, 
signing on the dotted line and committing to an estimate that you didn't fully understand, especially since it was completely avoidable. So the second problem I'm seeing, and maybe this is because everybody's racing to get in line with these contractors, is they're not fully preparing themselves and their home for these projects. I can't tell you how many times I hear someone say, gosh, the contractor showed up, Renee, and and I still had everything in the room. Okay, well, you knew the contractor was coming. Contractor confirmed that they were coming date and time. And why didn't you clear out the breakables? No one expects anyone to move out furniture, but to walk into a room knowing that they have to place drop claws and not have moved any of the breakables is irresponsible. I'm sorry. I'm going to just call it like I see it. It's irresponsible. Now, the trades, in my opinion, should refuse to throw the drop cloths on tables covered in breakables because guess what's going to happen if something gets broken? The homeowner is going to look to the trade and say, hey, gee, wow, there was a uh, china dish on this coffee table and now it's in three pieces. So I'm going to have to deduct that from your final bill, right? That is what will happen or likely to happen. But these contractors are nice. They're kind. They're like, oh, I'll make the best of it. Or they'll sort of tap dance around and say, oh, gee whiz, could you possibly maybe... I I can help you by clearing off these tables. That is not the responsibility of the trade. And if you go back, as we just discussed in contracts, you will not find a line item in any contract that says, we will come in and remove all of your breakables and put them somewhere safe for the duration of the project. It just doesn't happen. Why? Because it's not their responsibility. You will find in their contract how they're going to protect existing surfaces, uh, what they're going to do coming and going, their time frame, all of that. But what you won't find are items that are the homeowner's responsibility to take care of. So what do I do with my clients? Well, obviously, I also know when contractors are showing up and I am get ahead of it and send an email or a text or a phone call to my client three, four days out. Hey, just as a reminder, the painter's coming on Monday. They show up at 7.30 a.m. This weekend, make sure you clear that room of anything breakable or anything you don't want damaged. Because sometimes people think, well, it's not breakable, but it still could get damaged. And you know what they say in response? Got it, Renee. Thanks for the reminder. And guess what? Monday at 7.30, those painters walk in and the room is ready for them. This is called responsibility. And so when you're asking trades to come into your home or your client's home to be responsible, then that is their responsibility to meet them at the same place. So be prepared for a trade to come in. Don't put them in that awkward position of not really knowing how to, gee, I don't know, manage this really awkward situation that really isn't my responsibility because it's not. And so just because you have jumped on the list, taken the contractor the minute they're available, doesn't mean that you shirk all your responsibilities. It means that you have to do yours just as fast as they are coming over to your house. And that's easy to do and shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. But I am glad, actually, I've been seeing it because I do think it's, it bears repeating. And, and I likely will be repeating this in the coming months on this podcast. And then lastly, the one thing I see that is constantly getting rushed is the punch list. Now, punch lists get 
a terrible rap in this business because, in my opinion, two reasons. One, contractors fear them to be kind of this gotcha moment. Like, here's this laundry list of crap you didn't do, and I'm not paying you until it's done, right? And then homeowners think, I'm going to create this punch list. That contractor's out the door. He's never going to see me, and he won't care if I don't send that final payment. It's not enough to keep him around. Ah, hate contractors. Okay, both of those couldn't be further from the truth. Okay. I have never seen a contractor abandon a project. It just hasn't been something I'm a part of. Now that could be luck. And you could be listening to this saying, well, I could give you the name and number of the guy that abandoned me. And for that, I am sorry. And perhaps he wasn't the right person for you to hire, or perhaps it was a combination of errors, which is exactly what I think happens each time. So a punch list, for those of you who aren't aware, is a list of items that need further attention in order to be approved by the homeowner. And that can be anything. And I think that's sort of part of the frustration. It really can be anything. It can be anything from painting to uh, flooring to a door that sticks to, you know, a cabinet knob that is off kilter, you know, and so it really does run the gamut. And I think, first of all, people get a little overwhelmed, right? Because it's not a specific category. However, you can create punch lists that are more logical. So if you are doing a kitchen renovation, create a list, whether you're a designer or a homeowner, create a list with categories, hardware, put your punch list items under hardware, cabinetry, put them under cabinetry, floor, countertop, tile, Lights, whatever the case may be that's going into your kitchen, make it more organized. It will likely lower the number of questions that the contractor has going back and forth. The secondary item is they're never specific. And I have seen these punch lists because a client will hand them to me and the punch list will say kitchen, cabinet knob. Okay, uh, is that every cabinet knob? Is it one in particular? Is it three? Is it nine? You know, that means nothing to no one other than the person that wrote it. And so confusion starts. Contractor may look at it and say, oh, I got to get back to her on this. I'm going to nail all these other items. Maybe he forgets to get back on it. And the homeowner is going, see, he won't finish the list. You know, it's just all these crazy miscommunications. So be specific. Cabinet, under the sink, left side. Knob is not centered. Boom. I could go in and do it if someone handed me that punch list. You could go in and do it if someone handed you that punch list item. Therefore, the contractor can just go ahead and do it. No questions asked, no wasted time. Now, the fundamental problem I have with punch lists is how they are presented. In my opinion, a punch list should be very short. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, that's great, Renee, if you work with this amazing contractor and all the trades are, you know, A plus in their roles, which is, of course, what you want in your trades. But a punch list should be short because all along the project, whether your project lasts two weeks, two months or two years, you should be communicating things that you see along the way. Now, if your project runs two months to two years, you're going to be having weekly meetings guess what? That's when you say, you know what? The cabinet under the sink on the left side, that knob isn't centered. Let's get that on the list. Great. Carpenters are there on site most likely. They can do it. Never hits a punch list. So 
I look at a punch list as sort of an ongoing living list, meaning I'm addressing them as they come up along the way. So that at the end, it is actually a short list of things that have truly just occurred. Now, because of supply chain issues, there may be some items on a punch list that are long lead. Something has to be reordered or something was out of stock and something wrong came in. All sorts of things nowadays are happening, but your punch list should be small if you're managing the project as you should along the way. And what does that create? It creates a harmony on a project. The contractor doesn't think you're trying to get them in the end, and it also keeps you on schedule. Handing a laundry list of a punch list at the end of a project will prolong the end of your project by days, by weeks, depends on what's on it, who needs to be called in, and how long the work is going to take. By the time you get to the end of your project, mark my words, you will want the project to end as simple as that. So by prolonging it or potentially prolonging it for weeks on end does not serve you or your client well. So proactively managing it along the way will help maintain that end date and everyone will be happy about that. Now, the last thing I'm going to say about punch list items and a mistake I see a lot is items on the list that were not in the scope of work. So again, to review, a punch list is a list of items that need further attention to be approved by the homeowner. A punch list is not additional scope of work. Let me repeat that. A punch list is not additional scope of work. So what does that mean? Okay, let's say you painted three rooms in your house and you want to add a fourth and it's the same paint color. What's the big deal? The guys are on site, right? Let me just put that on the list. No, that's not a punch list item. Now, you can certainly request that, but it is not a punch list item. That is additional scope of work. Contractor has to come back out, has to look at the room, tell you if he can do it, and tell you a price for it. A punch list does not require a contractor to give you an additional estimate. It is included in the original estimate for the work because it was in the original scope of work. And these may seem trivial, but they're an incredibly important difference. And I see clients trip themselves up. Hell, they'll ask for a contractor to do something when I'm not there. I show up on the site, the contractor's like, "Uh, hey, Renee, um, so look, we're willing to do it, but yeah, so the homeowner wanted me to paint this extra room. And guess what I do? I march right over to my client. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? This wasn't in the scope of work. Oh, I know, Renee, I know. But, you know, I mean, it's the same color. And I mean, they're here. And I'm like, okay, well, if they agree to it, which is completely up to the painter, then you're going to get charged whatever it is. No, 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 I get it, Renee. I'm not looking for it for free. And, And to be fair, they're really not. But it's not a punch list item. And it is up to the contractor to approve doing that additional work. Because just as you were waiting for them to show up at your project, they have someone right behind you waiting for them to show up at theirs. So by adding to their scope of work, you are creating the stereotype that contractors are always running late, right? It's a domino effect. So if you were frustrated because your contractor started a week later than he anticipated, could have been that the client before you added to the scope of work thinking that the paint cans open, the guys are in the house. So 
these are areas that I have been noticing an uptick in, in issues. And contract review, preparing your house for the work, and creating a proper punch list will absolutely impact your budget and your schedule if they're not managed well. So please take a moment, understand what you are committing to, what you need to prepare for, and how you want to finish strong. And I promise you these three areas alone will improve how you feel about the project in the end. And everybody wants a smooth, happy ending. And this is something you can achieve by slowing down and addressing these three areas more carefully. Now, as always, if this brings up more questions than answers, reach out to me. I'm happy to discuss this or anything else that you're working on further. And again, the course Renovation Management for Interior Designers is finally live. I am so excited to dig in with the group that's there and have you join us and grow and expand this skill set so that you can be bringing in a stable, lucrative income. And what could be better than that for your business? All the information and details you need, you can find on my website, www.devinyedesign.com. I can't thank you enough for your time today, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today, and feel free to join me on social media at Devinye Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review, and tell your friends who are starting or are mid-project. And thank you again for listening today.